0: That's all right. Well, let's go ahead and get going here. Let's open up in prayer, shall we? Lord God, we thank you so much we can come together in your name. Lord, we know that wherever believers are, you are there in their midst, Lord. And Holy Spirit, you desire to reveal Jesus to us. You desire to always remind us of things that Jesus has already said to us. You're always revealing Him to us. Lord, help us to get into a mindset tonight where we can receive from you. Help us to put away every distraction, everything of this natural world. We've, We've come from various settings. Some came from work, some came from home, some came from other places, God. Help us just put all the cares of this world aside so that we can focus on you and draw near to you and seek after you tonight, Lord. We want to hear what the Spirit has to say, Lord. So, Holy Spirit, bring revelation, bring wisdom, bring understanding to us. And we thank you, Father, for what you have to say to us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Who would like me to move on to something else yet? (laughs) John don't care. (laughs) Well, I'm not going to. I'm not done yet. (laughs) I'm almost done, but not quite. So, anyone remember the verse that we're using for this teaching? Romans
1: 8. And what does it say? <laughs> you can
0: say it now. You just don't know what it says. I have to look. And if Christ be in you, in other words, what's he saying? Who's he talking to? The Christian or the unChristian? Christian. Christians. The believers. Yeah, Christians. The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. And what's Paul saying there? Don't everyone speak at one time? Okay, go ahead and speak at one time. It's really okay. <laughs> What's Paul saying? Your spirit is right before God. Okay. What else? saying, your flesh, our whole nature is crucified with Christ. Okay. What else? Yeah, he's making a contrast. He's explaining our makeup. He's saying that if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, we know that we're a new creation but we're also an old creation. But Paul says he never says you're an old creation because why? Because old things have passed away. Paul saw himself, and he sees every believer, in the Spirit. We are a spirit. We have a soul. And we live in a body. So are we a body? No? Because that body will shred one day, won't we? Are we a soul? One day it will be changed. What we are right now in the Spirit is the same thing we will be when we go to be with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present Present. Present with the Lord. Right. So where all those old things passed away was in that inner man. Okay. So we're going to continue to talk just like Paul talked in Romans 8.10. He's saying that the part of you that is still the old creation, that is still dead. That's why you still have temptations. That is why you still struggle. And it is the gateway for Satan into your life. So there's some things that we've got to understand about this outer man. First of all, it's this. It's already dead. Now wait a minute, man. I know that I'm not dead. (laughs) Yes, we are. We're the living dead. (laughs) Where do you think this idea of zombies came from? We were it. (laughs) The living dead. We are living beings carrying around a dead body. And when we say dead, what do we mean by that? Do we mean that it just ceases to exist? When someone dies, do they just cease to exist? No, that's why we have funerals and we have mortuaries and we have graveyards. And if we just acted like it ceased to exist, we'd have a whole bunch of dead, rotten corpses everywhere, wouldn't we? You have to do something with that body, don't you? Or that body will do something to you. Right? So herein lies the death, and so it doesn't cease to exist, but it ceases to be connected to the source of life. So we have to change our mentality. Anything that's not connected to the source of life is automatically dead. And who's the source of life? Does this put in perspective a little bit better the garden? The garden was two trees, remember? And what were those two trees?
2: Knowledge of good and evil. Mm-hmm.
0: And the tree of life, wasn't it? And they were told they could eat of any of the fruit, but not of one tree. And that tree was good and it was the knowledge. It was the knowledge. What where do we deal with knowledge in our makeup? Our mind. And our soul. Our mind, our will, and motions. Directly, right there. It, was, it wasn't the tree of good and evil. It was the tree of the knowledge of good. And, and it wasn't just the tree of evil. It was also the tree of the knowledge of good.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Truly, when you start understanding how to walk with the Lord and walk with Him in the way He thinks and the way He functions in the earth, you'll start to understand it's not about good and bad. It's not about right and wrong. It's really about life. It's really about life. One of our instructors at Bible school, John Finney, was talking about a vision that he had of the Lord. And the Lord will appear to him periodically and teach him different things. And the Lord showed up in his living room and sat down and started visiting with him about something. And during the conversation, he glances over at some magazines that are on a table. And it's a National Geographic magazine. And he notices that the Lord looks at it and he says, Lord, does that displease you? And he's thinking, you know, there's nothing sinful in that. Why, why would he be looking at it? And he says, it has nothing to do with whether it pleases me or not. There's just no life in that. So why would you take time to pay attention to what there's no life in? And it really changed his perspective on, on looking at things. Where we give our attention mm-hmm. will determine what we draw upon, mm-hmm. either death or life. The knowledge that we allow into us the knowledge we pay attention to will determine what we are focused on and what do most Christians spend their time focused on. Have I been good or have I been bad? Really, you could say that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was the tree of the conscience. Whether I'm right or am I wrong, today did I I obey or did I disobey? Am I guilty? Or am I right? How am I doing today, Lord? Adam and Eve didn't have a conscience. You know why I say that? What did we read last week? Hebrews chapter 10. That the blood of bulls and goats could not cleanse us of our wicked deeds, remember? But if they had, which is what Christ's blood did, then we would have no consciousness of sin. So now under the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we're not to have a consciousness of sin. Is it even really sin that God's worried about? What does the Holy Spirit convict us of? He says, I'll convict the world because they do not believe in me. The Holy Spirit doesn't come and say, Sean, you shouldn't have watched this. Pastor, you shouldn't have said that. Naomi, you shouldn't have went there. That has nothing to do with what the Holy Spirit's doing. Really what he's saying is, Sean, why didn't you believe me? Pastor, why didn't you trust me? Naomi, why did you desire that instead of me? It's really a faith issue. Looking for Christ to be our source in everything. Drawing from the tree of life, not of the tree of good and evil. You see what I'm saying? So here in this outer man, it's dead. It's separated from life. But in our inner man, what are we? We have life, don't we? The outer man has self to deal with. We might call that the flesh, right? I'm going to put that word up here for now. And here, we have Christ. Right. We're going to keep thinking about this. So he says the body is dead because of sin. Now, after you're born again, what happens to sin? What happened to sin? I'm washed away. It was <laughs> washed away. <coughs> but where was sin originally? Before you were saved, what was your spirit man called? It was an old nature. It was the sin Sin nature. nature. Flip over to 2 Corinthians. Chapter 5 Verse 21 For he hath made him, talking of Christ, to be sin for us. Did Jesus take your sins or did he become sin for you? He He became sin. Who knew no sin that we, talking about the believer, might be made the righteousness of God in him. Right? So he took our place so that we could take his place. His place is righteous before the Father. Our place was sinners. We were called sinners because in our spirit we were sin. We were disconnected from God. We missed the mark. It was sin, right? So here, this doesn't refer to the spirit man, but does sin still dwell in us at all? What we've already been learning in Romans 7, there is still a principle or a body of sin or a power of sin. Paul calls it a couple of different things. He says it's a principle or it can be called the body of or what was left behind from, right, or the power of sin but it dwells in our members, in our body. It's not in our spirit. It's not in our soul. It's in our body that it dwells, in our members. Okay? So flip over here to Romans 7. And tonight I'm going to use the Amplified Bible because I think it brings it out so much better than the King James does. So if you've got an Amplified or if you got it on your phone, you're going to be a step ahead of everyone else. And I love the fact the pastor keeps one under the pulpit. (laughs) Because I can use it when I need it. So we're going to start in verse 20. We're backtracking just a little bit. Now if I do what I do not desire to do, it is no longer I doing it. It is not myself that acts. It's not my new man. You understand what he's saying? But sin the principle which dwells within me fixed and operating in my soul or through my soul make sense so i find it to be a law it's a rule of action of my being that when i want to do what is right and good evil is ever present with me and i am subject to its insistent demands so here he says in his inner man he doesn't sin right no sin instead it's righteous right and he says he desires to do good but his outward man strives for evil right? And he says it's that sin principle that dwells in him functioning through his soul. So I find it to be a law, a rule of action my being that when I want to do what is right and what is good, evil is ever present with me, I am subject to its insistent demands. Notice what he says. He doesn't say that it is in control, he says it is present. It's present. This old part of you is ever gonna be present with you until Jesus returns or you die. It's gonna be there, so you gotta learn how to deal with it. Old creation, new creation. I'm running out of board already. And he says, verse 22, For I endorse, I am delight in the law of God, in my innermost self, with my new nature. So in his new man, he delights to do the law of God. So we're going to say that he delights in God's law. Okay? But I discern in my bodily members, in the sensitive appetites and wills of the flesh, a different law, a different rule of action. And it's at war against the law of my mind. So now he says there's a law over here. He hasn't named it yet. He says there's a law over here. And it's warring against this law over here. And he calls this the law of the mind. I'm going to start coming over here. Now, wait a minute. I thought the soul wasn't renewed yet. So how can we say that the law of the mind is a law that's over here, that this is fighting against? Because the soul hasn't been born again yet. Crickets, crickets, crickets. We're to renew it.
2: We're to mind.
0: But we have two minds. Why? We have one spirit, we have one body, we do have two minds. Because the spirit has a mind, and the soul has a mind. Doesn't the scripture tell us that? What's the other mind? You got your mind, and who else's? The mind of Christ. Christ. And where's Christ? In your spirit, man. So this is actually the law of the mind of Christ that dwells in us. If Christ is dwelling in you, he's also dispersing influences. He's also dispersing thoughts and desires and deeds, right? So he goes on and he says this. So there's a war between these two laws, the the law of my mind, my reasoning, and making me a prisoner to the law of sin that dwells in my bodily organs, in the sensitive appetites, and wills of the flesh. So he says sin is a principle. It's a body of sin that's been left behind. It's a power. But more than anything, it is a law. And he actually calls it, finally, it is a law of and, or you could say, which results in or produces death. Does the wages of sin or what? Death. The finality of it. So now we see it's not two natures fighting against each other. You're not ripping yourself apart as far as two parts of you wanting to fight. There's two laws. And this law over here really isn't even you. It's something that's dwelling in your members. that's left behind. It's not even like you. It's nothing that has to do with you. You can almost consider it like a parasite dwelling inside of you. You're carrying it around, but you don't have to let it have control of you you're still on the line for obedience because the fact of the matter is it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he is both in you to do and to will his good pleasure. You see what I'm saying? So here we have laws. Why do we call things laws? Because they don't change. they don't change and they're always true. Right? So it goes on and he says this, verse 24, O oh, unhappy and pitiful and wretched man that I am, Who will release me and deliver me from the shackles of this body of death? So here he's talking about this part of him, this body of death. Remember what Romans 8.10 says? That for all those who are in Christ Jesus, the body is dead because of sin. Who's going to free me from this body of death? If you count the number of times the Holy Spirit is spoken of, In Romans 7, it's only once. Only one time. Instead, Paul is talking about, I'm not going to let this control me. I'm going to obey God's law. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. And I'm going to try hard. And it's all going to be through willpower. And what's Paul saying? No matter how hard I try, I can't do it. I just fail. I fail over and over and over. And the worst part is not when I do the action, but even when I stop it, Inside, I still know the desire was there. I still know that secret part of me that only me and God knows that we try to act like really isn't there. I know that I desired it. I know that I thought it. I know that I still imagined it. And so does God. And really, the part of us that we're not wanting God, if we all were really honest, if we were all transparent, the part of us that we really want to be set free isn't the part of us that is doing the things in the natural. It's the part of us that leads to it, that's on the inside of us, that affects the heart. It's those things of when you're in prayer and all of a sudden something flashes across your mind that's that's sick or disgusting or perverse, and you think, how could I think that? How... God, I've been spending time in your word. I've been seeking you, Lord. That's that. Where did that come from? And then you hear that voice inside, see? You're just a dirty old sinner. Matt don't know what he's talking about on Wednesday. See? <laughs> and really what it is, is the enemy. It's this principle of sin trying to, to be used by the enemy, saying, no, you're really not who the Bible says that you are. You're not righteous, you're not holy, because righteous people don't think that way. You're just like you were before Jesus. You can act fake if you want to yo hypocrite. That's what's going on. Remember, it's this law trying to bring this part of you into bondage unto it. We're talking about who's going to be in control. That's what we're talking about. Really what we're talking about is a spirit-filled life. What does it mean to be filled with the spirit? It has a lot of different connotations, especially in the charismatic world. But if you were to look up in the scripture, be being filled with the spirit, you'd probably go over to Ephesians chapter 4. If you looked it up in the Greek, what would it actually mean? Mark, you know... Overflowing? No, not exactly. Sean, Scott, anyone else? Naomi? Pastor? If you were to look up the word filled in Ephesians 4, what is he referring to? If you looked it up in the Greek, what is he talking about? It says be being filled, so a continualness, but what is he talking about? Which means what? What does it mean to be filled be with the Holy Christ. Spirit? To be in Christ. Well, you have to be in Christ to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I agree with that. Right. But what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit?
1: Oh, for oh.
0: crucifying the flesh daily. Mm-hmm. That's part of it, but that's not what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. I didn't
1: bring that
0: box. <laughs> <laughs> That's the answer. It's one word. One word that we all struggle with. Control. Control. Every scholar, anyone that you read in any commentary, they're going to tell you the same thing. It's a con- conversation about what are you letting control you. And Paul is saying, you don't have two natures, who you really are, so who should have the foothold on the other side is the spirit man. There's more power here than there is here. There's no reason to give into this. You're free from this. You don't have to do this. You are this. This is who you are. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What's the heart? It is the soul and the spirit of a man working in conjunction with one another. And when you search for the Lord with your whole heart, you will find Him. You will find Him. Where do you find Him? Out here somewhere? That's what most of us are looking for. Oh God, just show the glory. Let the cloud come down. Right? It, it, it would be it would be sad if it was not true, right? I was in this meeting and oh my gosh, the preacher got up and just started talking. Just the glory came in. I I couldn't move. Now I left. I wasn't changed, but I couldn't move when the cloud came in. See how carnal that is? You know what the cloud is? In you. In you. In you. In you. In you. The glory of God fills the earth through us. But the world only experiences it as we allow him to control us. It's all about control. Doesn't sound as spiritual now, does it? (laughs) I'm going to pray all night because I want God to just speak to me. You go for that. I don't know that God's going to speak to you because you pray all night but maybe if you believe that God is already speaking in your spirit and as you draw near to him and you meet him on the same terms that he's wanting to meet you, it may not be that God starts talking, it might be that you start hearing. Because the whole issue of all this really comes down to the heart. Who's controlling your heart? Because the heart of us is like the sail of a ship. It really navigates the person. And this is what Paul's getting ready to get into is it, you've got to get away from right and wrong, good and evil, and more in an understanding of, of these terms carnal and spiritual. Because what do those two terms mean? What what is Something that's carnal, desires, lusts, flesh, can be it's
2: not, not of Christ.
0: Not of Christ. Is everything carnal sinful?
2: No,
0: no. But everything sinful is
2: carnal.
0: Carnal. This really deals with what more than anything. This world. This world. It really deals with the old creation. And it doesn't have to be sinful. Is everything in the old creation sinful? Mm -hmm. Think about this. The ground you're sitting on, standing on, whatever, right now, is part of the old creation. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: One day, he's going to be done with it, and he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Mm -hmm. The trees out there are part of an old creation. We're living in an old creation. Our bodies are old creation. Does that make them bad? No, but it makes them corrupted. They're not what he intended. They're devoid of his life. They're separated from the source. Because he said, pray. When you pray, he says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Where is the kingdom? In us. The kingdom is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. His kingdom's reign has already begun. And he said, pray, your kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is heaven. So in the same way it is where you dwell, bring that to this old creation God. Make this old creation a new creation God. One where righteousness and joy and peace reign. What was Abraham looking for according to Hebrews 11? He said that Abraham was able to leave Ur the Chaldees and never look back because he was looking for a city, and not just any city, A specific city, and we have no scripture that tells us that God ever told him about it. So you know what that tells me? There's a whole lot more going on between God and Abraham than what we know about. That's
2: right.
0: Because Jesus even said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And the scribes and Pharisees said, What do you mean? You're only 30 years old. He says, Before this was I am. Remember? He says, Abraham saw his day. Abraham in the scripture was called a prophet. And I believe Abraham saw the new Jerusalem because Hebrews 11 tells us that Abraham was looking for a city. He was literally walking around looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. Whose builder and maker was God. He was looking for a day when a new creation like heaven was going to invade the earth, this old creation, and God's will would be done. And it all starts already in us. His will is done in us. Now whether we live in it, whether we walk in it, that's a whole different story. But you got to even know it's there yeah. before you can even start to do it. That's right. So all that's great, Matt, but what does that mean for me? Right, What's the practical side of it? Well, Paul answers that in verse 25. Oh, thank God. He will, Jesus will, through Jesus Christ, the anointed one, our Lord. So then, I indeed, remember the I is the spirit man, who Paul is. Paul, I of myself with my mind and my heart. So with my thought life, with my heart, who I am. I will serve the law of God, and with the flesh, the law of sin. He's making the same kind of statement he makes in Romans 8.10. If you're going to walk in the flesh, if you're going to let those desires, those dictates, those fantasies, those ideas, those philosophies, if you're going to let them overwhelm and control you, if you're going to meditate upon them, if you're going to let them consume your heart, you will be living from the law of sin and death, you will be living in the flesh. There are two laws at work at all times. One law is greater than the other law, but it's not an automatic law. You understand what I'm saying? This over here is going to be automatic. It's happening no matter what. If you stop serving God, you stop reading your Bible, say you don't do anything else sinful. You never do anything sinful again, right? But you just quit reading your Bible and you quit seeking God. What's going to happen?
1: Black
0: You're why? I'm not sinning. I'm just not seeking God. I'm not doing bad stuff. What's the problem? Yeah,
1: every, real, every
0: day. This is why some of those people are the hardest people to win to Christ because they're naturally good people. They don't see the need for Jesus in their lives (coughs) this is automatic because you live in a carnal world and you have a carnal part of you that you've spent more time in than you have the other side of you and because the carnalness of this world and of this age and of this realm that we live in is constantly pulling and driving you don't have to do anything it's going to happen automatically so that should tell you something if you're not in a fight to win you're losing there is no standing still. What you're looking at is what the Bible calls spiritual warfare. That's what it's talking about. And you're either going to fight to win or you're going to automatically lose. We win when we bring all our thoughts into captivity into Christ Jesus. Because while this might be the automatic law, it is the inferior law. This law over here is superior. It's more powerful. It's greater in reach. It's greater in dimension. It's greater in ability. But it requires participation. Want to spell that wrong? I'm sure. Requires participation. It's an active law. Remember what laws we talked about last week? What two laws did we compare to these laws last week? Anyone remember? The law of gravity. The law of gravity. If I throw it up 30 times, surely one of these times, it'll quit falling, right? But does it ever quit falling? What if I do this? What if I hold it up? I beat it, right? We What do you mean temporarily? temporarily. I, I'm I'm it's not hitting the table, I'm winning! The law of hold is holding me up. <laughs> the law of hold is holding me up. Gravity is patient and enduring and consistent and always on. Sound like something else? Maybe that law of sin and death, it's consistent. You may think that you're winning. I didn't say a cuss word at all today, but did you lie? Nope, didn't lie at all. You didn't exaggerate at all? I mean, you said there were 22 jelly beans in there. Did you count them? Maybe there was 21. Maybe Noah ate one. Well, I didn't count. Oh, there you go. It's always on, and it's persistent. And it's determined to win. And it doesn't have to come with blazing force. It knows eventually it'll win. Right? But, how can I supersede this law? Isn't there a greater law than this? There's a law of lift. Right? And we go to the moon with it. We fly airplanes every day with it. And it's a greater law because gravity can't win over it. It can't stop it. It can't prevent it, right? But do you just go sit in an airplane seat and it just automatically just starts floating up into the air and it just happens? The pilot says, oh my gosh, it's already floating. Everyone get your seatbelt on. It it took what? There had to be power there. The law is only as powerful as the person behind it. Who's the person behind this law? christ the holy spirit it's kingdom law who's the person behind this one satan sin self think about this when you when you think god has spoken to you what do you say was that me was that my flesh was that the devil was that just his world and then last we say god was that you (laughs) What are you saying? What are you saying? You're saying, was that this? Or was it this? Or was it this? Was it this? All in the old creation. Why? Because you're so attuned to it. Because you're so attuned. But Christ calls us to a different way of life. And he says you can get to a point to where you live more naturally attuned to this than to that. Where this becomes... The thing that's out of the ordinary and this is the ordinary but you have to understand it's not automatic it takes power it takes participation it takes thrust a motivation to do it remember in the book of Acts when the church was first getting going and just off on a side note, someone said this the other day and it kind of blew my mind because I've been thinking about the timelines in the Bible and how things actually occurred in order And because it puts a new perspective when you read the scriptures on it. And one of the theologians I was reading after said that the first nine chapters of the book of Acts all happened within three years. That blew my mind. Because you're talking about events that literally happened back to back to back to back. And one of the things that happened was they decided that the group became too large to minister to and that the disciples, the apostles, weren't supposed to wait tables. That's like asking pastor and and Mike to come in and serve tables during the potluck. The group was too large and they couldn't do their ministry if they were doing all those, they were distracted. And it said that they appointed deacons, right? And what were those apostles going to do? Why did they appoint the deacons? To free them up so they could do what? Do you remember what it says? Preaching so the thing, teaching. Do what?
2: Preaching and teaching the word. Yeah.
0: That was some of it. Yep. Of it. That was part of it. There was two things. They were going to spend their time in prayer yes. and in the ministry of the word. Now, if we went into a church today and the pastor had 20,000 people and they got up and said, I need to appoint a hundred people to be deacons because I can't do any work. I need to spend time in prayer and the ministry of the word. What would happen? <laughs> they would say, yeah. Maybe you need to get a part-time job, <laughs> right? What about these churches that make their pastors work? Oh, wait, I'm standing one. Okay, so <laughs> moving along, I'm just saying, This is where they spent their time because the effect in the ministry was a direct result of their time with the Lord. And they said, we cannot have this ministry continue if we're going to be distracted by natural things. And the ministry actually grew. The anointing of God went further. The ministry multiplied itself and other people in the congregation... Was starting to mature into gifts. And we get Philip out of this and we get Stephen out of this. And people who we would have never known of had they not said, Is anyone willing to serve? They stepped up and developed into ministry gifts. You see what I'm saying? They're saying it's not automatic. And if the apostles needed to spend time seeking the Lord and in ministry of the Word, what do you think we all need to do? Seek after the Lord while he may be found, because there's coming a time that he won't be. Right? This requires that we make a determination, I'm going to live in this world more than I'm going to live in this world. And then you have to ask some hard questions. What are you doing today that you weren't doing yesterday that's going to get you here? Because these laws, we're looking for dramatic things. (laughs) I always love talking about healing, because when I talk to people about healing and someone who needs healing, I'm like, what do you think it's going to be like when you get healed? When when you receive your healing, what do you think it's going to be like? Because people have unrealistic expectations that they don't realize that they have. And secretly, in the deep part of them, they're really thinking, I know that I'll be healed because there'll be like a flash of light and like... Bolts of lightning are going to come out of the pastor's hands. You know, they have this weird idea. They would never verbalize it because they know how stupid it sounds. But they're really looking for something dramatic to happen. Someone's going to get up from the back of the congregation and say, Get up, Naomi, and you're healed in Jesus' name. Yes, I'm healed. But it really doesn't work that way. When God heals, one second you couldn't and the next second you could. And it's so anticlimactic that you can almost be offended and be like, oh, I remember when God healed someone for the first time in my ministry. And I was like, well, do they know that that I had a part to play in that? I was like, wait a minute. No, I didn't. (laughs) I really didn't. (laughs) But that was that selfish part of me thinking, well, God didn't ask me to say anything to him or to lay hands on him because God didn't need me. He didn't need me at all. Now that was a little offensive in and of itself. <laughs> but it's the truth of the gospel. This we we think this way. Walking in the Spirit is really just, it's almost that natural. Because remember, Jesus said that there was a farmer. He actually said, the kingdom of God is like this. He says, there's a farmer, and he goes out and he plants seed. And he plants and he waters day and night and he plants and he goes to bed and rises the next day and the seed comes up of itself he knows not how first the blade then the ear then the full corn in the ear right and he says the guy doesn't have a clue of how it happens all he knows is if i plant and if i water it will happen And he's saying this is how the kingdom of God functions, guys. And the kingdom of God is within you. And if you will faithfully and daily pull away from those things that distract and those things that are pulling for control and buying for control in your life. And sometimes we don't even recognize those things. Sometimes they're not bad things. When Satan figures out he can't get you through the sinful things, he'll just get you through the carnal things. You know my favorite is when I start praying, and it's bedtime, and I have three little boys that want to run upstairs because it's time to kiss and hug daddy goodnight. They would probably not do it any other night, but that night they want to. <laughs> and so I stop. Yes, Noah. I love you too. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, Good night. I start praying, and then I hear another set of footsteps, and I just know it's coming, so I stop. Yes, Josiah, I love you too. Okay. Then he goes, and I start praying, and then I get really, like, I'm in tune now. And I hear Ethan. <laughs> Dad? <laughs> what? <laughs> Does anyone know what I'm talking about? <laughs> he knows he can't get me distracted by sin, so now he's distracting me by the carnal. And by that time, I'm really ready for prayer, aren't I? Everyone leave me alone, I'm going to pray. Seeking the Lord. <laughs> I'm trying to hear what he's trying to tell me. Come on. Okay, God, I'm ready. <laughs> Anyone know what I'm talking about? And oh, by then you're like, forget it. I'm done. I'm going to bed. I'll pray tomorrow. This is how he distracts. Joyce Myers used to say she used to go in the bathroom, turn on the faucet sink, let the water run, and get down on her knees and say, oh, God, you've got to help me. <laughs> This was the only place that she could get peace. <laughs> but we have to pull ourselves away. And if that means getting up in the morning, if that means going away. You know when I was in college, believe it or not, it sounds weird, but we had a graveyard outside of our town, just right outside of town. I knew nobody went out there. It was kind of outside of the country by Coffeeville, And I'd run off that dirt road. I'd just park there in the middle of the graveyard and pray and say, okay, God, now I can talk to you. Now where nobody's going to possibly come by and bother me. There ain't nobody want to come here. <laughs> because I had to get away. I wanted to focus on God. I wanted to do it. And you know, I had a lot of people who would spend time with me who would say, I want to hear from God like that. I want to move in the gifts of Spirit. I want to do all that. But they they ain't going to go drive out in no graveyard and pray. They, you do What? <laughs> I can't believe you do that. Yeah, I do. (laughs) I don't care what it takes. I want to be alone. What did Jesus do all the time? He pulled away into the wilderness to pray. When the disciples came back and they said, Lord, when we speak to these demons, they come out in your name. And he says, don't rejoice in that. Rejoice in the fact that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And what did it say? He encouraged them to go away with him in the wilderness. He knew the value of spending time alone with the Father. Because it's not automatic. It requires participation. The flesh is always on. It's always driving us towards something. We have to actively participate with the Spirit. He is more powerful. He's more willing. God is so much more willing to do things for us than what we even realize. But the distraction has to go. We have to seek Him with our whole heart. And that's where we find him. So going on into Romans 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation, no adjuring guilty of wrong for those who are in Christ Jesus, who live and walk not after the dictates of the flesh, but after the dictates of the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being, has freed me from the law of sin and death. So we already know that this is the law of sin and death, this principle that's still residing in our bodies. It's not us, but it's with us, and we are going to have it until Jesus returns or we die, right? But then he calls this other law, this law of our mind, the mind of Christ, he calls it the law of the spirit of life. It's found in Christ Jesus. It's a law of the Spirit. You know what that tells me? The Holy Spirit functions on a law. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what that tells me. And if I will understand how the Spirit functions, I will understand how to cooperate with Him. And He's not the Spirit of just whatever. He is a Spirit of life. What did Jesus say over and over? I have came to give you life, and life more abundantly. If you drink from this water, you will thirst. But if you drink of the water that I give, it will spring up a spring unto eternal life. He was talking about the Holy Spirit having free flow within us, through us, around us, and it takes cooperation. This is why you can get filled with the Spirit, have an experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and be dead as a doornail the rest of your life. There is one baptism of the Holy Spirit, but there are many fillings. There are many times that the control of the Spirit is given over to. And we should seek to live our lives in the control of the Holy Spirit, not in our control. And really more than anything it's not so much sin as it's this old guy called self that wants to control. And really, if you want to get to the nuts and bolts of all this, it's more about what we love and value the most. What we love and value the most is what will allow to control us the most. And sometimes those are hard things to think about. Catherine Kuhlman had a saying. She said, all of me, none of him. Less of me, some of him. None of me, all of him. She was famous for saying what she was saying was, I have to decrease. Every day, it can't be, God, do what I want you to do. Bless me, God. Do what I need you to do. Help this family member get saved. Give me this car. Give me this job. Give me, give me, give me. My middle name's Jimmy. My last name's Moore. Instead, it's God, today, I want your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want your will. I lay aside all my wants. What do you want, God? What do you want? And truly seeking that... Where, I, know, I know he's talking about money. I know it, but I think there's a higher understanding there. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Your heart, your heart, your mind, your emotions, your will, your spirit man. What you value the most is what you will put your energy into, what you'll put your attention on pursuing. And he says, pursue the Spirit. And he goes on he says this. For God has done what the law could not do. Now, it's not talking about either of these laws. It's talking about the Mosaic law. What the law could not do, its power being weakened by our flesh, the entire nature of man, without the Holy Spirit. So basically he's saying that old old creation part of us because of the weakness of it, the law couldn't do what it was actually the purpose and the goal was. Law was perfect, but we weren't. We were carnal, sold under sin, remember? So he says, For God has done what the law could not do. He says, Sending his own son in the guise of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, God condemned sin in the flesh, subdued, overcame, derived it of its power over all who accept the sacrifice. So he says, Not only the sin nature, but he also dealt with this principle of sin. He made a way, he dealt with it by giving us his spirit on the inside of us. He made a way in a way that the law cannot do. If it was law, then you had a part to play. You have something you've got to do. If it's him, it's something you've got to receive and believe and rest in. You see what I'm saying? He goes on, he says, so that the righteousness and the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled and met in us who live and move, not in the ways of the flesh, but in the ways of the Spirit, our lives governed, not by the standards and according to the dictates, or we can say the lusts of the flesh, but controlled by the Holy Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh, and are controlled by its unholy desires, or its lusts. This is what they're like. They set their minds on, or we can say, gosh, I almost need chalk now, right? I'm gonna erase this over here, so I have some space. They think about. Or we can say, meditate on. They think about, or they meditate on. And in thinking about it, and on meditating on it, you may not think about this, but God calls that pursuing it. Just the fact that you thought about it, you're in pursuit of it. Romans also tells us later on, he says, make no provision for the flesh. And that word provision in the Greek literally means take no thought in thinking. He says, you're making provision for an entryway to, a doorway to allow by thinking upon. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Does Christ's mind think on those things? It only thinks on that which is good and holy and just. And Think on these things, according to Philippians, right? Why? Why? Because when you start thinking on those things, you're thinking on the same thing God's thinking on. And when you think his thoughts after him, you renew your mind through him. So he goes on and he says this. For those who are according to the flesh and are controlled by its unholy desires or set their minds on and pursue those things which gratify the flesh or please the flesh or give the flesh what it wants, But those who are according to the Spirit, you want to be after the Spirit? I'm seeking the Lord. I'm going to be so powerful in the Holy Ghost. Mm. I'm just going to fast for for a month. I'm going to fast 40 days. Yeah, there you go. And then I'm going to take two days and eat some steak. And then I'm going to 40 more days. I'm going to do it even more than Moses. You watch. I'm going to be so holy, so right. You just watch. Holy Ghost, gonna talk to me. Get that flesh under control. You know what Colossians says about that? It's a waste. <coughs> there is a benefit to fasting, but not like that. Matter of fact, in Colossians, this little Bible's a little hard for my big old fat fingers to use here. I'ma flip. Hold your place here, cause we come back here, and I mean that this time. Colossians. And it's under chapter 2, verse 23. Let's see if I can find it over here. Chapter 2, verse 23. He says, if you, I'm going to start at verse 20. If then you have died with Christ to material ways of looking at things and have escaped from the world's crude and elemental notions and teachings of externalism, really we can call that what? Carnality. Carnal Christian. Why do you live as if you still belong to the world? Why do you submit yourself to rules and regulations such as this? Do not handle this. Do not taste this. Do not even touch them. Referring to things, all of which perish, which being abused. To do this is to follow human precepts and doctrines. Verse 23, such practices have indeed the outward appearance or the carnal appearance that popularly passes for wisdom. Isn't it popular in the charismatic world to fast? You hear a lot of sermons about it. A lot of people get. I think there's tons of books out there if you really look. Franklin Graham's got tons of stuff on fasting. If you go, fast for prosperity, fast for this, fast for that, fast for this. We're doing a month of fast. Let's do the Daniel fast. Let's. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He says outwardly, it's popular and it, it's almost like it shows wisdom. And he says imposing self-imposed rigor of devotion and delight in self-humiliation and severity of discipline of the body but they are of no value in checking in the indulgence of the flesh the lower nature instead they do not honor god but serve only to indulge the flesh what he's saying is You can do things that look spiritual, that sound spiritual, that appear to be spiritual, and you're actually feeding the flesh. Remember Jesus said, when you pray, don't be like the scribes and Pharisees who go down the streets saying loud prayers and repetitive prayers, wanting to be seen. They've got their reward. Well, isn't it spiritual to pray? I'm seeking the Lord. Have you ever seen those people, now i being mean. Me. Have you ever seen those people in a meeting? I got some videotapes. If you haven't, I can share. There's this one lady. I went to go see this guy from he was from out of the States, he was from Mexico, he didn't speak any English, had a translator, and he really had a, a really awesome ministry. He was, he was an evangelist, and he came to our college, and then he was ministering that night, so I went to the church to see him. And there was a lady sitting, and it was chairs like this, a small church. Really, the church was just slightly larger than this room, to be honest. And it was this lady, and she had her daughter sitting by her. And through the whole thing, as this minister ministered, Ooh! oh, Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, oh, yes, Holy Ghost. Oh, yeah, mmm, mmm, mmm. An hour and a half of that, guys. An hour and a half of that. And this little girl sitting by her, I felt so humiliated. And I so bad wanted to be like Tripper. <laughs> so bad. And finally the guy tried to get louder and she, oh, Jesus, yes, Lord. You know, the best part of that whole meeting was when she fell backwards off that chair and I said, thank you, Jesus. The Holy Ghost is here. (laughs) (laughs) Now, was she being spiritual? She looked spiritual, didn't she? But what was that whole thing about? What was just the nuts and bolts of it? Self. Self. Look at me. Look at how the Lord talks to me. God is using me. Looky, looky, looky. That's what it was about. And people will fast like that. I'm fasting for 40 days. When was the last fast you took, Darla? <laughs> I didn't take one recently. Have you noticed? <laughs> I think the 15 pounds everyone in the church lost, I found all of them. <laughs> I'm not saying not to fast, but you shouldn't be telling anyone that you're fasting because what you truly do for the Lord, you do in secret and he rewards you openly. Yes. And he's saying that these people who do things like this, that it appears, have you ever seen people who don't want to wear no makeup? Gotta only wear skirts. Gotta have their hair so high, but only in a bun. You know who I'm talking about. We ain't gonna push no buttons. Why they do it? Because we are holy before the Lord. If you get that ring off your finger, God could use you. You know what that's all about? look at how holy we are holiness is of the heart it's of the inward man all that God does begins in the inward man when you are functioning and trying to relate with God and do things that you call spiritual if it doesn't begin on the inside if it's something that's more of an outside thing you're already in the flesh You're already in the flesh. Whether you're talking about prayer, whether you're talking about reading your Bible, whatever. I'm going to read the entire book of the Bible. Every book in it. This month. I'm going to do it. Leave me alone. I don't want to go to the movies. I'm reading my Bible. Aren't you guys ready to go to bed? I'm trying to read my Bible. I don't remember anything that I read, but I'm reading my Bible. I'm clocking in and out with God. right? Or... Say, you know what, Lord? I'm, I'm my lunch break. I'm going to sneak away and find some place that no one's at, and I'm, I'm just going to start. Reading. And my goal is, I really want to read the Bible this, this, this month, God. And speak to me as I'm doing that. And you're probably not going to achieve it because He's probably going to talk to you a whole lot during it. <laughs> God, I didn't get all the way through it, but You were so good when I got to those few verses. I just couldn't get away from. It. You see what I'm saying? You can feed the flesh by doing spiritual things because you're doing them in the flesh. And charismatic people are the worst people about this. They're the worst. Because we give words in the flesh and we speak in tongues in the flesh. You ever be in a church where it's the same person every Sunday? Usually the second song towards the end. Sunday, No, 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 same message. Same message. We had one church, this has been a long time ago. I'm really pulling out of some baggage here. We had one church, anywhere around here, (laughs) other side of the state. But we would go, and Sarah could sit there and say, Oh, here she goes, she's getting ready to go. Go, 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 go. And there. (laughs) She can tell you exactly. Yea, the Lord says, uh, rejoice in him. And would sit down, and you're like, Okay. Preacher would start preaching. And be blessed and humble in sight of the lord okay and the lord's talking about giving <laughs> the pastor's talking about giving and she gets up lord loves you sit down she was a recognized prophetess we can't tell touch not thine anointed do thy prophets no harm as her husband would sit there and go finally one day i had the nerve to ask what you know i have to ask because <laughs> there's a part of me that's just just jesus is working on <laughs> Amen. You, you gotta know. what exactly are you doing and he would sit right of course they're always on the front row always on the front row and there was a ceiling fan and he would say when i see that the pastor's anointing is waning I shoot him some of my anointing in the ceiling fan so it can spray down on him like the latter rain. And I never laughed so hard in my life. And I said, Now I understand. There's some gas or something floating around in your house. Y'all both breathing. That's it. I knew it. They're both crazy. And you know what it all was? I'm sure they love God. I'm sure everything in their heart, was the best they could see, was probably pure. They're purely self centered. Totally self-centered. People who seek a following after themselves, they're not serving the Lord. They're serving self. People who truly serve the Lord, they have a heart that John had. I have to decrease. He was telling people who followed him, I have to decrease. You have to quit following me, and you have to start following him. They seek not to be known, but to make him known. And people who are truly walking in the Spirit aren't looking for their own applause, popularity. Lord, use me in this gift so I can minister to someone. The Lord's just telling me that um, I just saw you in the Spirit. Surely nobody's experienced that, right? One guy, I've just I got so many stories. This one guy in our Bible school showed up and he says, and he would tell everyone the same story. My grandmama had a dream about me. Oral Roberts laid his hands on me and his anointing went from him to me. And my grandma told me that day, you're going to get his mantle. you got to go to that tall it's going to happen and i'm here following the vision of the lord to fulfill his purpose for my life to take oral roberts man as he was living in the ceiling because the bible school kicked him out for not paying his bill and for going to the little porn shop across the way but he was going to follow oral roberts and have that anointing in the as he fell out of that ceiling and got transported right down to the ymca and you know the saddest part about it? No matter how many times you would tell him he was wrong and deceived and give him scripture, his vision was right. And the Bible was wrong. You know what you call that? Religious spirits. That is a religious spirit that has taken control. You call it God. And it's really something controlling your heart and mind and making self on the throne of your heart but in a spiritual way he's deceptive I'm telling you the enemy's got a million and one tricks up his sleeve it's not about what it looks like it's about the product of it this is why Paul says what he says in Galatians the work of the spirit the works what it does what it's driving towards when you go to work it's exhausting isn't it it's pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. Because you gotta get it done. Gotta make it happen, right? But but the fruit, the fruit of the spirit, the singular fruit of the spirit, is love. What, what you are doing, what is it producing? Judge your own fruit. Judge your own tree. Not about if you're saved or you're lost. That, should, that boat should have sailed. But what I'm doing today has driven me closer to Christ or closer to myself in this world. And if I haven't gotten closer to Christ, what decision am I going to make today so that I can be closer tomorrow? Because Paul says God is not mocked. If you sow to the flesh, of the flesh you'll reap corruption, but if you sow to the Spirit, of the Spirit you'll reap everlasting life. It's, it's a sewing process. is what I'm trying to get across to you. It's not a, you're going to have a powerful time in the Spirit tonight. And then you're always going to walk in the Spirit. It's tonight. You may feel like God is nowhere to be found. But by faith, you're seeking Him anyway. And you're spending time in His Word. Because though I may not feel like I hear anything, I believe that He's saying something to me. And you get up in the morning and you turn your attention to Him instead of, oh, i got that creak in my back. And you have to say, Lord, today is the day that You have made. I'm going to choose to rejoice in it. Thank You, Lord. Every second, taking that opportunity to redirect your attention back to the things of the Spirit until eventually all your thoughts are brought into captivity unto Him. It, it is... A participative sport. It is a challenge. It is simple. It is not easy. But He's given us weapons of our warfare to accomplish it. And as we do those things, what we find is we can be like Paul. Because what did Paul pray? Lord, strengthen me with might, my inner man. When I feel like giving up, give me the strength to push on, God. And you'll find that there's not only a pushing, but a drawing you to him. Calling you to him. Be faithful in the little things, remember? It's the little planting. Every day. See, that's the danger. Once you really have a strong walk with the Lord, you think, I can afford not to pray tonight. (laughs) I can afford not to read my Bible this week. I mean, God is just like, boom! But remember, Samson thought that too. And one day Samson rose up to shake himself and God was nowhere to be found. God hadn't changed. Samson had changed. Samson's heart to the Lord had turned to Bathsheba. All right, I'm way over. Pastor, you want to close this out in prayer? Father, we just
1: thank you that the spirit of the living God is in complete control of all of us. We desire to adhere to all of these teachings and just we ask that they would bubble up on the inside of us and they would produce exactly what you have them to produce. I thank you, God, uh, for the growth and the maturity and this body of pollution. I thank you, Lord God, that they are all richly blessed. the table and that you impart so much goodness and joy.
2: Oh, thank you.